You're about to listen to Johnny and Hawk, covering all things Oklahoma sports, from the prep ranks to the college level, as well as the Thunder and Minor League Sports Tulsa. Now, let's get to your hosts, Johnny Resendez and Dan Hawk. Welcome to another edition of the Johnny and the Hawk podcast. I'm Dan Hawk, and as always, my co-host for this podcast segment is none other than Mr. Cowboy alum himself, Johnny Resendez. Hey, man, how you doing? I'm doing good. I'm glad you're safe after a scare in Stillwater. Oh, my goodness. This Idaho, and finally. Yeah, exactly. After how many years in Oklahoma? It's been three years here that I've been here. A tornado warning. I mean, we had tornado warnings when I was in Raleigh, North Carolina, but, like, let's be honest, man. They're nothing like what they are here in Oklahoma. No, this is the tornado and alley. We're, and Stillwater, is that considered, like, the heart of tornado alley? Yes. <laughs> Okay, so so let me set this up for you. The only reason why I was scared or nervous or however you want to call it was I was in the press box, okay? No one's there. The stadium workers are still there blowing out the stadium because you know how they have leaf blowers and they're Mm -hmm. picking up the trash and Mm -hmm. all that kind of stuff. But I'm the only one in the press box. And the first thing that came to my mind was let's go back in the archives here. Kirk Herbstreet was announcing a game in Stillwater. I believe it was against Kansas State. And then afterwards, he was on SportsCenter with Fowler, and an earthquake happened. I don't believe you were a student at that time, but you know what I'm talking about here, where he paused and was like, I think we just had an earthquake. Yes. Scott File told me on Between the Lines that he was in the media room when that earthquake took place. Now, I get it. It was just a warning. There was no tornado. As far as I know, I don't think any of them touched ground. There was funnel clouds, but nothing hit the ground. It was just severe weather as in storms. And I I heard in the surrounding areas of Stillwater that it was coming down in buckets. But put yourself in my shoes. I'm all the way up in this stadium by myself. You're way up there. You've been in boom. It's, It's way up there. And I don't know where to go. This is all cinder block. And then I pulled the bonehead moment of the week because... Dan Hawk says, you know what? I'm going to take the elevator down. (laughs) So complete stupid moment for me because what should have been done? I should have walked down. But even with that said, you've been in that stadium more times than I could count, Johnny. Even taking the stairs, you're not real safe taking those stairs Mm -mm. going down. Nope. Even when you go down to like the very like the very first floor. Absolutely. You're still kind of like surrounded by center block. Right. God. And, and let's let's put this in perspective because the softball team was playing softball that day mm-hmm. against Texas, if I'm not mistaken, over at their uh, complex. And they had to take rescue in GIA, which is next to Boom Pickens. But, like, I'm, I'm you know, freaking out a little bit because of the fact that, you know, I, I don't know where I'm supposed to go. And, you know, how about this? I, this is coming from Eli Letterman, who writes for the Tulsa World. Kenny Gajewski, the head softball coach, said that OSU's right-hander Miranda Ellish, Ellish, I believe that's yes. right, she fell down the stairs last night and bruised her tailbone when the Cowboys sought shelter during the tornado warning. She had x-rays done, and Gajewski wasn't sure that she would pitch. She went 10 Ks over 6.2 scoreless innings. So, like, you might laugh at me in all this, but that's them trying to get into GIA. I'm clear up in the press box, man. Surrounded by nothing but cinder block. So in my defense, yes, it was a little nerve-wracking. 
It was a little nerve-wracking. Spoken like a true Idaho, Idaho man. Yeah, I know. Here's Johnny over here, probably drinking Lone Star I remember, beer in his lawn chair. I remember the chair. last time I had a serious tornado warning was my freshman year at OSU at, I think it was, yeah, it was it was spring 2017, I remember. It was the last day of the, last week of the semester. Everyone's chilling out, you know, it's kind of like finals week. Everyone doesn't really care anymore at that point. And all of a sudden, the clouds just start getting, I mean, just scary dark. There's a big tornado warning. Rain is falling down, like, everywhere. People are freaking out. I heard some girl in my dorm complex started, like, pee her pants because she's not from Oklahoma, and she thought the end of the world was happening. Meanwhile, me and my buddies, we were just playing chess. We were just, like, chilling out, making sure, oh, this tornado's not going to hit still water. It didn't, but it got pretty close. And for some reason, I mean, I, I think about that moment. I'm just like, wow, it's kind of like some maniac type of behavior. I didn't budge one bit. But probably because I'm from Texas, Oklahoma. Yeah, you get you've, used had, to it. you've had severe weather. You get, you yeah, know. I'm pretty sure if like, there was a blizzard. L- listen, like you've, never, you've never been to Idaho. It's, it's beyond gorgeous. If you love the outdoors, I bet. It's phenomenal. But as far as severe weather, like whenever I was in Idaho, oh, we're going to have a severe thunderstorm. I'm looking at them like, you got to be kidding me. Because I started my TV career <clears throat> in North Platte, Nebraska. Now, granted, that's kind of on the outskirts of Tornado Alley. Yes. Nebraska does have tornadoes. You know this. There's no secret about, you know. Do they have blizzards? They have blizzards as well. But, you know, that was my real first taste of severe weather. And my first job, we had a tornado that was heading towards a station. That was my first (laughs) real experience because we went to the storm shelter, which was just electrical equipment all over the place. And I'm like, great, I'm going to become a crispy uh, McNugget here because, like, it's going to hit the station and it's going to go on fire. But Regardless, so far from what I've seen, there was no tornado, but we did have very severe thunderstorm-like weather. It could have been a lot worse. And listen, I'm not one that – I'm not a storm chaser. I take the the warning seriously. I don't think I would have been as nervous. It's just the fact that when you're in a press box, that's like those people that have to shoot video for football practices in the crane – and mm-hmm. their severe weather, yep. that position just sounds awful. I would not want to do anything with that because you're you're a you're a no man's you're land. You're even you're even hired. Hundred percent. But luckily, I think everything panned out. Now, with that, there was a spring game or spring practice, whatever you want to call it, in Stillwater. My biggest takeaways is they need help at quarterback. Rangel is a damn good backup quarterback. But if Spencer Sanders goes down, you as a Cowboy fan, you as a Cowboy supporter, you a little nervous over there because he does, you don't have much of a room anymore. I am because Shane Ellingworth is just gone. went to Nevada, I'm pretty sure. Uh, he's a part of the correct. Wolfpack now. And, um, you know, and you look down the depth chart, I mean, d- didn't Gunnar Gundy have some Gunner snaps? Gunnar Gundy had some snaps. He, and he he, some he's snaps. got an arm. He's got an arm for sure. But he's but not. He's not. You know, he's I, not going to be in there every day. Obviously, I'm. I'm still concerned that he may not be that. Um, that that D one ready player where he could go in and compete for a job. Compete at the Big for 12. the job. But yeah, and, and like, I don't want to say competent because he's obviously a competent QB. If you see him and if you've seen him in Stillwater, that dude was pretty good. But who knows how he could adjust? And you're talking pioneer football, the, right? Yeah, right, Stillwater High School. Who knows how he could adjust to the Big Twelve and everything like that? I mean, they come at you fast, and you're gonna have to make quick decisions too, especially with the air raid offense and everything. So who knows? Uh, but then again, 
I've seen enough of Spencer Sanders where I don't really think longevity is going to be that much of an issue. And if it is, as long as we have a game manager under center, I'm not really all that worried. Absolutely. The, my only major concern, but it's so early, is the offensive line. Eli Rush went down, and that's what ended the spring game. Right. Or spring practice, I guess, mm-hmm. because it technically wasn't a spring game. That is a concern yeah, when Josh you're— Josh Sills just went to the draft, too. That's right. So that, that to me, is a concern with the offensive line. Do I think it'll be ready by fall camp? Absolutely. The other thing that I'm really excited about, and I know you are too, is we've, I don't know how many different times we've talked about the defense. I think Derek Mason will not miss a beat at all with this de- defense. Oh, yeah, no, absolutely not. I mean, you you think about, now, it's going to be interesting because you got a lot of starters from last year who either transferred, correct, going to the draft, and everything. Malcolm Colby, Malcolm they're gone. Colby, uh, Trace Sterling, I believe, is also gone. And then you got guys like McCusker who transferred out to Ohio State. Fall Jim Knowles there, but I gotta tell you, I feel like we're not gonna really miss a beat. There's Colin Oliver, who obviously everyone at OSU loves and everything, and there's a lot more pieces too. We got a lot of pieces from the transfer portal that are gonna come in. It may take some adjusting because we saw from what Jim Knowles did, we always look at what he did last season, but the first few seasons. It kind of you had to get a little bit of used to Jim Knowles calling the defense and everything like that. For a little bit, it looked kind of stale. It looked very vanilla, and then it just got better and better and better as the years went on. With this one, I I, I definitely think that the defense is going to adjust a lot more to what the defensive coordinator is going to want, and it's going to be much less of a um, it's going to be much less of kind of like a learning curve. The guy that I think is going to be the front runner as far as leader goes, <clears throat> Jason Taylor the second. Oh yeah, absolutely. I absolutely. don't think it's even a question. I think it's his team on defense, and that's going to be the guy this next season. Yeah, and I mean these guys are young too. I mean we're expecting these guys to be here for like another two years or so. Right. If you have a good core, if you have guys who may not, you know, they may wait for the draft and everything. That's going to build a lot more continuity for the team. Absolutely. But I'm not overly concerned when it comes to the defense because I think Derek Mason's not going to miss a beat. All I got to say is, Brian Harson, I covered you at Boise State. <laughs> Bro, what are you doing letting Derek Mason walk from Auburn? What are you doing? That was a steal by Mike Gundy to bring him to Derek Stillwater. Mason, I mean, I think Auburn was – they were right there with OSU in terms Absolutely. of like total defense. I mean, when he, when he got – I mean, there were so many other rumors about who they're going to get for defensive coordinator. For some reason, I saw Coach O as a potential candidate. But like when they got Derek Mason, I was like, you know what? It's a good pickup. We're, it's a good pickup, but, you know, there's always those things, especially when you have a season like Jim Knowles had. Absolutely. Last season, having one of the top, if not the top defense in college football, to have someone like Derek Mason – Take over OSU. I mean, that was a great hire. My only concern, and they're changing the guard at Arkansas. We don't really touch on Arkansas on our podcast that much, but Arkansas is paying their assistants to not, like they have said, we are not going to lose an assistant over money. And that is my only concern with OSU's assistants because it has been like an open door policy where they'll have success and then they're gone. Mm Mm-hmm. What is that going to be with Derek Mason? Because he's been head coach, Vanderbilt, and I get it. It's Vanderbilt. It's the SEC, but it's Vanderbilt. Do you see Derek Mason as a long-term fit? Well, I, I do. Because if the defense shines. If I mean, the, the defense th- shines, you know, I do, because if, let's say, 
it's something similar. Maybe not completely, but something similar to what the defense was last season. Gundy, they, I'm pretty sure they matched what Ohio State was offering Jim Knowles. I am absolutely sure they did. What happened there, I'm pretty sure, was just Jim Knowles wanting to make a personal family decision and go to Ohio State where he's from. That's a, the, around the area closest to the, where, the area where he's from. You know, if you're Gundy, you can't really beat that because it, it's the guy's home and everything. But they were absolutely willing to match, which means they were willing to spend that much money on an assistant coach. So if Derek Mason can resemble the results that Jim Knowles did, I wouldn't be surprised at all if Gundy decides to throw just bags of money, another bone, bags of money at Derek Mason if he does good. The which, one, I, you know, I, I'm feeling pretty optimistic. The, the one that I could see potentially moving on, Casey Dunn. Yeah. Casey Dunn. I, I don't want to see him leave. And I'm not even, you know, it's not a rumor. I'm not saying that, it, that this has been a rumor or anything. I just think if he has success this season with Spencer and the offense clicks and you win a bunch of ball games, I would not be surprised if his name gets thrown out to be a head coach. Right. Well, like, you know, also, you know, I feel like he's still got like that, that chip on the shoulder too, especially with what happened against Baylor, the Big 12 championship Absolutely. game. Um, I feel like now that he's getting a little bit more comfortable as the offensive coordinator, it's, it took some time, but I feel like now this season, I feel like he's going to have one of those breakout seasons where he's finally going to be able to run his offense like his offense. Absolutely. You know? So well, I think he, you know, he uh, played it, played in, you know, my state, Idaho, just at the wrong school. You know, mm-hmm. Boise State's the better school. But anyway, I digress. But hey, spring, uh, spring practice ended. Uh, I'm not going to compare it to OU's spring game. You can't. That's insane. Very impressive. Very impressive for Brent Venable's first spring game to have that many Sooner fans in attendance. It's a spring game, people. Listen, you can't compare OSU to OU on this one. You can't. I I don't want to hear when we put post this. I don't want people to be like, "Yeah, well, OU's better." I don't want to hear that because it wasn't a spring game. And even if it was, let's say they both had spring games, OU is still going to be more popular this year. Than OSU. Why? You have a brand new head coach. That alone right there is going to attract more of an audience than Mike Gundy's spring game. Do you disagree with me at all? I don't disagree. I don't because uh, there's always that mystique with Brett Venables, especially since, one, he was at OU at some point, and, two, that he just came back from from a program like Clemson. So I mean I don't know if you've been keeping up a lot with like OU's recruiting, but you you could tell that the, he's he's behind the scenes and he's recruiting pretty well. I mean he's getting the guys from Clemson, Nakona, Oklahoma. He's get he's knocking on the doors of people and players who normally would be looked at by Clemson, and he's trying to get them to Oklahoma. Uh, it's just gonna be really interesting because like the uh, but OU's, seventy thousand is insane. That's insane. That's insane. That and that, remember, they were charging insane. for that. I don't remember what the price was to get in, but even if it was 10 bucks, look mm-hmm. how much money they made off of right. that. Now, with OU, it's going to be interesting, too, because on the offensive side of the ball, who's going to be QB? I mean, they're probably going to get someone from the transfer portal, maybe, or something. You talk, but are you talking about after this year or just this year alone? Just this year alone. You don't think it's Dylan Gabriel's job? I mean, it is. But, I mean, you think about the, the QBs before him. I mean, Baker, Kyler, Jalen, uh, Caleb Williams. Spencer Rattler, if even. we want to go back in the yeah, day. Yeah, I mean, like, who's going to fill in those shoes at 
QBU, quote-unquote. Well, you know, with that, I also wanted to add, the other reason why you can't compare it, when you're giving Baker Mayfield a statue. That statue sucked. You didn't like it? You that didn't like it? That statue sucked. What they should have done, and like, I mean. So I, the I'm Barry Sanders gay. statue is better? No, oh, absolutely. Not even close? Absolutely better. But here's what they should have done with Baker. I, uh, listen, I, I, the statue, I guess, was okay. First of all, they made Baker look way more manlier than he is. Wow! Second of all. Wow! If they were going to do a pose, they, I mean, they really just butchered this. They should have done the pose where he dropped the flag on the O in Ohio State. That, that would have been sick. That, I think, would have been the statue. That would have been OU. sick. It that would have been, been sick. The statue, and I, as an OSU fan, I couldn't be able. I wouldn't say anything because that statue, that pose, would have been absolutely legendary. I, Instead, they, I mean, they made him. They, they, it's just like a normal statue of a guy in pads trying to stiff arm somebody. Okay, all right, that's fair. That's fair. Do you? I've always wondered, guys like that, you know, that get statues, you know, Barry Sanders, and you're in the Ring of Honor. Or any? Do you think you got to pay for a ticket anymore if you want to show no, up? No, if they do, I mean, like. That sounds like Texas Longhorns type of stuff, to be honest. Where they charge you to show up. They just charge you to show up, too, even if you're like that guy. Um, No, come on. They're they're living lavishly in those stadiums. Regardless if you you didn't like the statue or not, sheer numbers are impressive what they were able to bring to that spring game. I mean, it's insane what brands do to you. I'm I mean, not saying that they're the the greatest football team in the state right now. I'm not going down that. I'm just saying it's impressive to put that amount of butts in seat for a spring game, a practice. I agree. I completely agree. Practice game, completely agree. But with that, though. Still can't stand them. Yeah, I know you can't. With that said, though, I'm not going to lie. I can't stand spring games. To me, they're a waste of time. You're not the only one. I, I'm over it, man. I, I don't get into them. I find them boring. They're vanilla. It's not like the old days where they they were kind of entertaining, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. And I I understand you want to make some money, but charging for a practice, I it's not just OU. Like, Boise State, when I went there, did that kind All of thing. Of them. Yeah. It's silly. And, and if I didn't have to go as a media member – Bro, I'm, no, hit, I, I'm hitting the lake I saw, if the weather was better. I saw a tweet. <laughs> I forgot with who it was, but I saw a tweet. I mean, as a sportscaster, you watch sports every single day. Absolutely. Like, every single day, even if it's not a team that you cover. You're watching sports because you love watching it. But most sportscasters hate spring games. Yes. They will not watch. Yes. They will not care. It's just one of those things. And I, I for, for the people who have never been to a spring game, it's not You're really not missing anything. It's <laughs> not really a game. No, it's not. It's a chance for the fans to see the team and just say, hey, I got to go to the football thing. But even then, it's not really indicative of how the season's going to no, go. No, it's not even close. It's not even close. But I think what OSU did is truly what we're going to see how spring games are played moving forward. Mm-hmm. Because they don't want to see players get hurt. And I was filming it. And when Rush went down, the lineman for OSU, Gundy, like, threw up his arms in the fact that he ran to the player and and it was like, okay, we're done. Kickers, go kick. I could hear him say that. Mm -hmm. 
And then it was like, okay, we're done. They, they stopped. And I look at it like, why are you putting yourself in that position anyway? This is the final. This that was probably the final ten minutes of the spring game. I'm sure that has. I'm sure somewhere in the country that's happened before too. Absolutely, and I'm not blaming Mike Gundy. I'm not blaming OSU, but you don't need to see anything more at that point. You've already seen all that you need to get done. It's it, a chance for fans to get autographed because they come down to the field. But it's beyond the chance that, for the university to take more advantage of their cash cow. Yes. And get butts and seats whenever you're not really getting yes, butts and seats. Yes, because how many seats. how many times do you see tickets are now on sale for Cowboy and OU football? For a spring game. Yes. For a spring game. Yes. Come on now. It's it's something that it needs to go by the wayside. Honestly, I would be fine with just a closed practice and call it good. Right. They don't say anything. Coaches don't say anything. You know. I understand for OU, anticipation, it's amped up. I can't talk, but it's amped up. Everybody's juiced because you got a new head coach, Mm -hmm. and they're all looking at what USC did for their spring game, and there was no crowd. But how are you ever going to compare that to USC with Lincoln Riley? You're not. Look what He's not established yet. No, and then let's be honest. If you were in California, the beach? A spring spring game. game. Exactly. I'm going to the beach. Yeah. I mean, you think about what's in Norman. Think about what's in Oklahoma in general. Of course, you're going to go to a spring game. Absolutely. What else is there to do? Absolutely. Let's switch gears. Baseball. My boy, Miguel Cabrera. Your boy. Mr. 3000. Your boy. Ugh. About time he got this record. I'm jacked. I'm juiced. But Tigers are terrible. We're 6-9. and nine. I think we're better than the Rangers, though. But anyway. Ab- absolutely you are. Uh, anyway, this is cool. Um, I'm glad that the national media. I mean, it was he was it was going to make national news anyway. I saw Sports Center doing a you know a ton of stuff on it. Mm-hmm. Um, this is just great for baseball. First Venezuelan player to do this. I'm happy about it. Obviously, now I've been wanting, and to I'm get, happy he did it in Detroit. I've been wanting to get your take for this for a long time. Sure. Now. What did you think when the Yankees intentionally walked him? Smart move. I'm fine for Smart it. Smart move? Yes. I, I'm not against it because you got to win games. At the end of the day, Aaron Boone is looking at it. We have to win, and we're taking the uh, we're taking the we're one of the best hitters of all time, the bat out of his hands. But what happened? The baseball gods do what they always do. They crap on you, Man and pay. Austin Meadows gets a base hit, and we end up winning the game. So what did it end up doing? Nothing. It didn't help you out. And I would I would have walked him. He didn't hit well in that series anyway. But then look at all the pressure. I've never been in that type of moment. Can you imagine the amount of pressure that you have when you're at 3,000 hits for the year or for your career? Excuse me. Can you imagine how much pressure you're when you're sitting at 2,999? Maybe it's one of those things where, like, I'm I'm thinking too much of the, uh, to the unwritten rules of baseball, but I wouldn't intentionally lock him. That, yeah, but let's me... go back a couple weeks before when Clayton Kershaw was almost at a perfect game. Oh, and they pulled him. Would you pull him? No, I wouldn't pull him. If you're going to get a perfect game, go for the perfect game. See, and their argument was it's early in the season. He's coming off of an injury. It's not the same Clayton Kershaw that we've seen in years past. Mm -hmm. On that one, listen, on that one, I'm with you. Because of the fact that at some point in the season, Miggy's going to get a base hit. Right. Whether it's against the Yankees. But the fact that it was the Yankees. It's I know the New that. York Yankees. I know that. But at the end of the day, he's going to get a base hit. To me, honestly, when you look at the two of those, 
what is more well known as far as a history maker? A perfect game or the 3000 hit? I mean, it's the perfect game for me. Hands down, it's the perfect you game. You think about the 3000 club, it's a club for sure. It's a it's but, it's not a lengthy club. No. No, but he's going to get the base hit at some point. Right. Whereas the perfect game, they don't only, happen. There's less than 30 that's ever happened in the history of Major League Baseball. In the history of Major League Baseball. So I, I'm really glad that Miguel Cabrera, I mean, he's, it's been a long time. 23. 23 perfect games. 23. Insane. In We go back to the 1800s when baseball existed, and there's been 23? That's why, like, but remember. Look how the Dodgers put their lineup together. Yeah. They use analytics for everything. Mm-hmm. They're not old school about anything anymore. Remember, I don't even think Dave Roberts puts his lineup together. Right. <laughs> but I wouldn't have pulled him. Right. I mean, like, and think about it this way, too. Miguel Cabrera might be the last 3,000 hitter we may see in a very, very long time. Because I'm looking at it right here. Um, Robinson Cano. 2,600 hits. Yeah, he's, he's getting got, towards the end of his career. Yeah, he's 39. That, that's going to take, you know, a Herculean effort. <laughs> got Yadier Molina, 2,100 hits. Joey Votto, 2,035 hits. All of these guys, by the way, are either retiring or really, really close to 40. And then you got guys who are a little bit younger but still have a lot of work to do. Altuve has 1,700 hits. Freddie Freeman has 1,700 hits, and, uh, you know, you got Tatis right now. He's still very, very young, already has 300 hits. There's one player. Who knows? There's one player, and, and this is way early, that I could see doing it. Vladimir Guerrero Jr. Vlad Jr. is probably enough. Well, uh, I mean, he's fair, already at 392 hits, so Vlad he's, Jr. He, he'll get, he'll get, he'll probably get, Vlad Jr. Probably be 600 this year, he, like total, like where for his career, he'll have 600 by the end of the year. Vlad Jr. to me, I feel like, is going to be more competitive with the home run numbers than he is with the hit numbers. He's already at 77. Yeah. God, that's insane. He's probably going to be my guy for AL MVP. Once Hall it's of all Famer when he's done? I don't know. We He's still too young. Uh, if he goes, If he keeps on playing like he does, I would say so. Him and Tatis for sure. But, uh, I, take out the but going back to it, we both agree we would not have pulled Clayton. No, we would not have pulled Clayton. But at the same time, if I was – this is the New York freaking Yankees. Yeah, I get it. The you Yankees do not are – I, I just – I'm not – You do not pull that cowardice move to intentionally walk Miguel Cabrera <laughs> when but, he has – But what is the old saying, Herm Edwards? You play to win the game. Exactly. Play to win the game. Strike him out. Strike him out. There's other ways you strike him out. You don't intentionally walk him. You, If I'm the New York Yankees, you have 2,999 hits, and you're going to have to wait another day to hit an, yeah, the 3,000 hit, I, I don't and know. you're going to stick it to him. I, 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 you I'm don't not, intentionally walk him. I don't mind it. I know you want to win the game, so I am with him on that one. The only thing I'm happy about this is Miguel got to do this in Detroit. Yes, okay. I, I'm happy that he got to do it in Detroit um, against the lowly Rockies. Mm-hmm. Um, to me, that was cool. The only other place that would have been cool, but it's not the same stadium, would have been if he would have done it if it was an interleague game and they played the Marlins. Right. Because he started his career with the Marlins. Mm-hmm. But when he retires, 
even though he's got a ring with the Marlins, he's going to go down with a retiree in Detroit. Do you think he retires in Detroit? I don't see where he I don't see where he goes. Mm -hmm. yeah. I mean, let's look at Justin Verlander. He's won a ring with the Astros, but he's not going to retire in an Astros jersey. Mm -mm. Probably not. Unless but he wins another ring, potentially. With Cabrera... He's going to retire in Detroit. He, he's probably going to retire in Detroit because let's say they trade him. I mean, who knows? I mean, he, he may just go to a destination where they're ring chasing, but who knows? Like, I feel like he still has a lot to offer. To Here's one for you. When Pools retires, mm. do you retire a Cardinal or an Angel? I say Ooh. I say Cardinal. I would say Cardinal, too. Because, that, I mean, that fan base just loves him too much. That and then, honestly, like, he's done a lot of great things when he was with, with the Angels, but, like, I can't really. But he never won a championship no, with he LA. Didn't. He did with Anaheim. He won the championship with. He won the chip with St. Louis. People love him. And I hate the Cardinals. I despise the Cardinals. I do not like the Cardinals. Absolutely despise them. We're 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 getting on everyone's head. There's a lot yeah, of. Yeah, I don't really fans. care because I'm we're not a Cardinals fan. We're getting a lot fan. of people's heads right now. <laughs> I'm just not a Cardinals fan. Never have been. You know, I'm an American League guy. I've always been a Tigers fan. You've always been a Rangers fan. That's, that probably gives away why I hate the Cardinals. And right yeah. now, you well, yeah, you had that one series. But right now, I mean, neither one of our teams are, woohoo, you know. Nope. Nope, Rangers. I, I do think the Tigers are on the rise because they got a lot of young prospects. Mm -hmm. Your Rangers, though? We are still very much in a hard, hard rebuild. And who it knows? It stinks, too. Who knows when that rebuild it's going to get better because right now, I'm sorry, right now. Well, you're 5 and 10. You're in the last place. <laughs> but with that said. 5 and 10 actually isn't that bad because we were but, 2 and 9 earlier in the week. But with that said, I think, in my opinion, the AL West is one of the hardest divisions in baseball. Yeah, because you got the Angels right now who I think are surging. They're 9 and 7. Mariners are on top. Mariners, Mariners are doing good. What if we said the Mariners are well, on top? you know, sometimes the Mariners get good, and then, like, midway through the season. And the Athletics are always in there for A's whatever reason. And, and then you got the Astros, who right now are 7 and 8, but it's the Astros. Right. You know? It's so early in the season. Way too early in the season for baseball. Mets are obviously just destroying everybody in the East right, right. now. And that's, uh, that's even without DeGrom, right? That's insane. And the Dodgers are still in first in the NL West. That's, I mean, with all the... Amount of money they throw at the lineup and everything. I mean, Jesus. I think they just tossed another million dollars in there. Yeah. God. Freddie Freeman. I mean, I think it was justifiable why he left Atlanta. They kind of did him wrong there. But Well, the why Dodgers, would you get rid of him, though? The Dodgers, though? Like, haven't they had enough already? It's going to be a fun year when it comes to baseball, man. Oh, yeah. For sure. Other than for our teams. For sure. Oh, yeah. No, yeah. It's, as a casual fan... People who just like to watch baseball to like with baseball, it's going to be fun. Now, there's still a lot of gripes that we have about the game in general, but, you know, I, I, I feel pretty good about the season I do and too. how the, it's going to be good. It's going to be great in the playoffs for sure. I do too as well. Well, I think we kind of hit all the topics that we were wanting to digest on the podcast. Football season, next time we really dive hard into football season, will be fall camp. Mm-hmm. Right now, the NBA playoffs are going on, and there's a few series that I'm really excited to see that I was not even excited to see in the beginning Absolutely. because the Pelicans have just tied 
with the Phoenix Suns. The Timberwolves have tied with the Memphis Grizzlies. And uh, KD looks like he's about to get swept. So what a time to be an NBA fan. It's going to be fun, man. Who all is going to raise that Larry O'Brien trophy? We'll have more on NBA probably coming up next time on Johnny and the Hawk podcast. I'm Dan Hawk. I'm Johnny Resendez. Thank you guys for listening. Thanks for listening to this week's episode. Remember, you can follow Johnny Resendez as well as Dan Hawk on Twitter. Until next time, thanks for listening to Johnny and the Hawk. Also, for all the latest Oklahoma sports, check on newson6.com.